Welcome to this episode of Sound Bites, a podcast series produced by the National Psoriasis Foundation, the nation's leading organization for individuals living with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. In each episode, someone who lives with psoriatic disease, a loved one, or an expert will share insights with you on living well. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. Hi, my name is Hannah Lynch, and I am the Associate Director of Federal Government Relations and Health Policy here at the National Psoriasis Foundation. I am joined today on the podcast by my NPF colleague, Georgia Ullman, who is the Health Education and Program Manager and is responsible for creating resources for our patient community. We are here to talk about the challenges that people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis face when they switch to Medicare. Reducing high out-of-pocket costs in Medicare is something we have been advocating for here at NPF and is something that patients frequently have questions about. Georgia, given your work with NPF's Patient Navigation Center, I thought we could start off by having you tell our listeners about the types of Medicare issues our community contacts the Patient Navigation Center about. Yes, the Patient Navigation Center receives many questions about high out-of-pocket costs from patients who recently enrolled in Medicare. Let me share with you a story about Alex, a fictional patient that represents many people who call the Patient Navigation Center. Alex recently switched from her insurance offered by her employer to Medicare. She enrolled in traditional Medicare parts A and B, as in boy, which cover hospital and medical services. She also enrolled in a part D, as in David, plan, which covers prescription drugs. Alex has been taking a biologic treatment for psoriatic disease for many years, and she's really happy with how the treatment has been working. Previously, between Alex's health plan and copay assistance, she was only paying $20 a month for her biologic treatment. Now, she's learned that the biologic will be $1,200 for the first month on Medicare Part D. Alex is confronted with not being able to afford that biologic treatment, but she doesn't want to try a different treatment. At this point, Alex calls the Patient Navigation Center to understand why the costs are suddenly so high and what she can do about it. Thanks, Georgia. And as you said, I think this is such a common story for people with psoriatic disease who are taking a treatment, especially a biologic, through Medicare Part D. Now that we have Alex's story as an example, let's break down the pieces of what's going on and discuss what Alex can actually do about it. Absolutely. I think the overarching question here to unpack is what made the treatment so much more affordable when Alex had commercial insurance? Hannah, since you're more familiar with the federal law and policies, can you explain why the cost of Alex's treatment is higher now that she's on Medicare? So there are two main factors that may cause Alex to see increased costs. The first is that unlike most commercial insurance plans, Medicare does not have an out-of-pocket maximum. The second is that due to the federal anti-kickback statute, drug manufacturers are not allowed to offer copay cards to people with federally funded health insurance. That means that anyone with Medicare, Medicaid, TRICARE, or Indian Health Services can't use copay cards. For many in our community, that means that they are no longer receiving that copay assistance to help pay for their more expensive biologic medications, and so they see an increase in how much they are paying out of pocket for those treatments. The anti-kickback statute was originally created so that 
copay assistance programs would not persuade a patient to use one treatment over another that a federal health program might pay for. However, for most PSO treatments, there is no generic alternative to their biologic. And so that makes this argument feel unfair. That is such an important concept to understand because many people don't realize that manufacturer assistance isn't allowed in Medicare until you're facing high costs for prescriptions. For patients like Alex, we often recommend that they look into patient assistance programs. These programs are often offered by drug manufacturers and are designed to help patients afford their prescription treatments. Eligibility for a patient assistance program is based on your household income and what kind of health insurance plan you have. For some, you may not be eligible if you have Medicare, but it's definitely worth looking into. So what about people who do not qualify for patient assistance programs? Are there other ways that they can try to reduce their out-of-pocket costs? Yes, there are two other options that the Patient Navigation Center recommends. The first is called a formulary exception, and the second is called a tiering exception. I'll start by explaining a formulary exception. A formulary is a list of drugs that your health insurance plan covers. If your prescribed drug is on your plan's formulary, you can make a special request that the insurance plan covers the drug. And you can contact your insurance plan to learn how you can make that request. The second option is a tiering exception. Prescription drugs on a formulary are grouped into tiers or levels. The lowest tier includes generic drugs that cost the least, and the highest tier includes specialty drugs that are the most expensive. Many treatments for psoriatic disease are specialty drugs, and they are in the highest tier. So requesting a tiering exception means that the insurance company could bill your specialty drug at a lower tier and a lower cost. All right, so to recap all of that information, someone who is facing high out-of-pocket costs for a prescription drug through Medicare Part D can check if they qualify for a patient assistance program, request a tiering exception, or ask for a formulary exception if their treatment isn't covered at all by their health plan. Yes, that's correct. With high out-of-pocket costs being such a top concern for our community, what other kinds of questions does the Patient Navigation Center get about budgeting for those treatments while in Medicare? Yeah, so sometimes patients contact us when they have a bit of sticker shock when they first find out how much their treatment will be for the first few months, and they worry about how they can afford that treatment for the entire year. Let me share another story about Taylor, also a fictional patient, to illustrate this common challenge. Taylor has had a mild form of psoriasis for many years. He has only been using a topical treatment to manage his psoriasis and has had relatively low out-of-pocket costs. Recently, Taylor was diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis and his provider prescribed a biologic that will be covered through Medicare Part D. Now he's trying to budget for the year and has questions about how his out-of-pocket costs will change month to month. He knows that he will have the highest costs in January until he hits his deductible, but he's confused about how things change when he hits the coverage gap, also called the donut hole, and when he gets to catastrophic coverage. Hannah, this is such a complex topic. Can you explain the different phases associated with Medicare and how coinsurance works when a patient has Medicare Part D? Yes, Medicare can definitely be a little tricky to explain given the structure of Part D. So there are four phases or periods of Part D coverage. After you meet your deductible in that first phase, your plan will help pay for your covered prescription drugs. 
your plan will pay for some of the costs and you will pay a co-payment or a co-insurance. How long you stay in the initial coverage period, which is really the second phase of coverage, depends on your drug costs and your plan's benefit structure. For most plans in 2020, the initial coverage period ended after you have accumulated $4,020 in total drug costs. So once you've hit that amount, you move into the coverage gap or the donut hole phase. The donut hole closed for all drugs in 2020, meaning that when you enter the coverage gap or phase three, you will be responsible for 25% of the cost of your drugs. Although the donut hole is closed, you may still see a difference in cost between that initial coverage period and the donut hole phase. In all Part D plans, after you've paid $6,350 in out-of-pocket costs for 2020, you reach catastrophic coverage. During this period, or phase four, you pay significantly lower co-pays or co-insurance for your covered drugs for the remainder of the year. So during catastrophic phase, you will pay 5% of the cost for each of your drugs or about $3.60 for generics and $8.95 for brand name drugs, whichever is greater. So just to clarify, the donut hole is closing in 2020. Is the donut hole or coverage gap really going away? That is a really great question and I'm happy to clear this up a little bit. So the coverage gap or the donut hole phase still exists as a phase in Part D coverage. Over time, the donut hole has been, quote, closing because the percentage of a prescription drug a patient is expected to cover during that phase has been getting smaller over the last several years since the implementation of the Affordable Care Act. In 2020, the percentage reached 25% where it will stay. So going back to Taylor's story, what does this mean for him? In the initial coverage phase, the use of copays typically will make Taylor's cost lower than some of the other phases. Once he moves to the coverage gap, he is responsible for 25% of the cost of the drug. So for example, if a drug's total cost is $1,000 and you pay your plan's $20 copay during the initial coverage period, you will be responsible for paying $250 or 25% of that $1,000 drug during the coverage gap phase. In the catastrophic phase, which is usually patients that have the highest spend on prescription drugs per year, Taylor will still be responsible for $50, which is now 5% of the $1,000 drug costs. So the amount that Taylor pays for his treatment will change during the year, right? There will be times that he pays more and then less for his treatment, but he's always responsible for paying some part of the treatment costs. Yes, and that is why the creation of an out-of-pocket cap in Medicare Part D is so important. Once a patient is in the catastrophic phase, they are required to continue to pay 5% of the covered drug until the benefit year starts over again. Part D is one of the only health plans without an out-of-pocket maximum. And so that's why capping patients' out-of-pocket costs for Part D would reduce financial burden and help patients adhere to their critical treatments. While putting a limit on how much a patient spends out-of-pocket, we believe it's also important that that cap comes with a smoothing mechanism, which would allow patients to spread that cost across the year. That way a patient would not have to pay one large sum all at once out of pocket, but be able to break it up into more affordable payments each month. With the creation of an out of pocket cap, along with a smoothing mechanism, our patient Taylor would be able to more accurately budget the cost of his treatment. And our patient Alex would not face such high out of pocket costs 
in the transition from commercial insurance to Medicare, making it easier to maintain their current treatments. Since there is such a need to limit out-of-pocket spending and Congress has shown interest in passing a cap, Hannah, given your expertise, can you give an update on the current status of legislation moving forward to address this issue? So they do call Congress the deliberative body for a reason, because it does take a little bit longer to have legislation move forward on the federal level. There has been bipartisan support in both chambers for an out-of-pocket cap with a smoothing policy, and all of the recently proposed drug pricing packages from 2019 include a provision on both of these policies. There really was a momentum in Congress last year to pass a big drug pricing bill, but the emergence of COVID-19 totally changed the 2020 legislative landscape. Most bills that were not specifically COVID-related have been postponed or not brought up for any discussion right now. I think that there is still a chance of a drug pricing package that includes an out-of-pocket cap and a smoothing mechanism, but it will most likely be discussed during the next Congress. Georgia, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. If folks have questions about their Medicare plan or are experiencing issues with their out-of-pocket costs, what is the best way to reach out to you all at the PNC? Well, thank you so much for having me, Hannah. Patients and their families are welcome to contact the Patient Navigation Center at 1-800-723-9166 or by email at education at psoriasis.org. Reducing out-of-pocket costs in Medicare continues to be one of NPF's top advocacy priorities. To learn more about our advocacy efforts, visit psoriasis.org slash take dash action. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sound Bites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us in a couple weeks for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of Sound Bites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage. To learn more about this topic or others, please visit psoriasis.org or contact us with your questions or comments by email at podcast at psoriasis.org.